In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon text today is Matthew 26, 57 to 68, especially these verses. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy! What other witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy now. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Thus, our text. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I've often heard people charge and accuse God. They want to take God to court. They want him to answer for not being the good God they thought he should be. Essentially, they want to charge God with negligence, that he has somehow failed at being God. If they could, these people would cross-examine God. They'd ask, why did you make me this way? Why are you allowing this suffering? Why did you allow this catastrophe? Where were you when I was all alone and in need? Why have you allowed evil to exist? But interestingly enough, none of these questions comes up when God is actually on trial. No one questions God's authority or the reasons for him doing things. Instead, the charge is of a quite different nature, and it is extremely telling and relevant to the aforementioned concerns and questions. In our sermon text, God is essentially charged and accused of doing what he was accused of doing in the garden, lying. In the garden, the serpent told Eve that God lied. After asking, did God really say, he said, you will not surely die? In other words, God lied to you. He told you that so you wouldn't become like him. He was misleading you to get you to do what he wanted you to do. The devil lied, but claimed that God was the one who was lying. As the devil did, now mankind also does. Since we followed the devil into sin, we follow him in lying and accusing God of lying. Just look at the trial of Jesus. You would expect it to be fair and impartial. You'd expect Jesus to get a fair hearing. You'd think the goal would be justice and the truth, but since the verdict of death is already decided, it's simply a formality to prove it, make it all legal. And thus Jesus' trial begins with scoundrels, uh, excuse me, I mean witnesses who come to testify about what Jesus said and did. And these witnesses are just like the ones Jezebel hired to testify against Nebaioth so that her husband Ahab could go ahead and steal, excuse me, I mean, legally own his vineyard. 
Such, such false witnesses kill with their tongues. They hurt reputations and destroy lives for their own purposes. And since Jesus has gotten in their way, he must be destroyed. He must be ripped apart. And thus they begin to lay charge after charge. But they could not find a charge that deserved death. Just then two rogues spoke up. This man said he's able to destroy God's temple. You know, the one Herod has put so much time into building. And then he could rebuild it in three days. Now, at last, here is their chance. Here is something Jesus did say. Of course, it's been twisted a little. Ah, they claim not only that Jesus said he would be the one to destroy the temple. He didn't say that. But that he was speaking about the stone temple. They're explaining everything in the worst possible way. They're misrepresenting what he meant and said. After all, he was talking about his own body as the temple of God. He was speaking about his death and resurrection. But now his words are being used out of context and being charged against him. But who would believe that? We like to wallow in false testimony. Give us the latest gossip and rumors. Tell us a bad report about somebody and we're repeating it before we've even considered what we're saying. The truth gets obscured as we satisfy our own sinful desire to besmirch someone else's reputation. And that's the intent here with Jesus. How else would they get rid of this preacher other than twisting his sermon? And this is a wonderful but wicked use of his own words against him. Everybody will surely see how dangerous he is. Don't you see it? He claims he can all by himself demolish Herod's temple that took 46 years to construct and then build it again in three days. I mean, that's preposterous. That's absurd. That's absolutely outrageous. Our tongues are turned against him. Tongues that should be praising him and proclaiming his glory and majesty are now being used to kill him. Tongues that have become swords. How will he defend himself? How will Jesus answer? Well, he doesn't. He's silent. So the chief priest calls Jesus to defend himself. How do you respond to these charges? But Jesus still does not answer. He stands mute before the court. He does not even seem to acknowledge the lies like they're not worth his time or effort. Even when we use our tongues to distort his teaching and preaching, he bears with our malicious evil. Other times, he has rebuked and corrected false teaching, but now he bears our false accusations, bears with our attempts to condemn him. Seeing that he is getting nowhere, the chief priest charges Jesus to answer his own question. Jesus of Nazareth, you must answer my question. You're under oath. 
and the living God is witness to what you are saying. This is serious. So tell me, do you think you are the Messiah, the Son of God? And now, after keeping silent, Jesus speaks up. He makes a bold declaration. He opens his mouth. He speaks the truth. He confesses everything clearly and at last. Caiaphas and those gathered at his trial get what they wanted. They get a confession that deserves death. The preacher has finally been cornered. He's done himself in. He has admitted it. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't simply confess that the words out of the chief priest's mouth are true. He preaches to them. He gives them a sermon. You have rightly said it. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. And you will see this truth yourself in a short time. For you will see me, the Son of Man, just as Daniel prophesied. For I am the fulfillment of Psalm 110 and the prophecy of Daniel. I am the everlasting King who is given all authority in heaven and earth. In the future, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming in the clouds of heaven. The high priest is blown away by Jesus' audacity. He tears his robes in self-justification of what he is about to do. He shows his great zeal and his religiosity. He opens his mouth and out comes more lies and more slander. His tongue is out of control. Blasphemy! Blasphemy! What vile disputes from this man's lips! This preacher is the worst kind of sinner! Claiming to be God's son! He's clearly of the devil! Trying to claim God's place as his own! Do we need any more witnesses? Is not this testimony of his enough? You heard his sacrilegious claim, his bold lie. We must render a judgment. What do you say? And everybody answers. He is a villain. He is a blasphemer. He deserves nothing except death. Let him be executed. He's worthless. Get rid of him. And with this declaration, they come forward and take their turn expressing their disdain. They use their tongues to unload spit into his face. And they add insult by pummeling his face with their fists. Some take the flat of their hand and give Jesus a few whacks. He deserves it after all. He's a blasphemer. You really think you're the Messiah? Well, show us. Tell us who hit you if you're the Messiah. Where's your prophetic power? Where's your voice now? But Jesus doesn't say anything more. He doesn't need to do so. His word already spoken stands as his witness. It is his testimony, his word for sinners. His word for those who use their tongues to condemn others to give false testimony. His word for those who have even bore false witness about their own Messiah, who have stood opposed to Jesus, the true preacher. It's a message of hope and salvation 
for hidden in this captured, bound, despised, beaten, condemned, and rejected preacher is God in the flesh. He is God's eternal son come to reveal and proclaim the good news that the salvation of the world is here right before their very eyes. And not only did they need it, but so do we. For we are Jesus' accusers. It's not just those priests and those Pharisees. We stand with them. We too accuse Jesus to have him put to death. We too have charged God with wrong, with lying to us, with not giving us the full details. He did not consult us or seek our opinion. He did not give us what we wanted. He did not act like the God we thought he should be. He has been far too lenient with some, not getting justice or ensuring fairness. And with others, he has been far too hard, giving them more troubles and crosses than is right. We decry God's sense of justice. We complain about his ways and the difficult things of his word. We scorn the crosses he places on us when he wants to teach us something. His discipline is unwelcome. And so when Jesus confesses his divinity, when he confesses that he is God, we shout, liar! Just like at his trial. We join with the Sanhedrin in calling Jesus a blasphemer. We don't like or want him to be our God. We have our own ideas of who God should be. Just as in the garden, we are grasping for the power to make God in our own image, to make God be how we want him to be. But first, we must get rid of this Jesus. We must kill this God to put our own gods in his place. And so we judge God as failing us, as not living up to our standard. He lied and now he deserves death. And Jesus takes our judgment. He takes upon himself what we judged. He takes our sinful declaration along with all our sins and he dies for them. He dies under our judgment and then he rises. He is God. He is holy. He is divine. He's the one and only Lord. His resurrection shows our judgment to be false. We were wrong. He is God. It is we who are evil. It is our ideas of God that are corrupt. We did it in with our slander. We killed him with our false testimony. Our tongues nailed him to the cross in shame. We tried to justify ourselves by claiming he lied by saying he was blaspheming, but it was us. We did it. We are the liars. We are the sinners. We blasphemed by not confessing him to be the Christ. As he said, and then claiming that 
he deserved to die. We deserve to die. We deserve God's temporal and eternal punishment. It's the truth. And we're finally using our tongues to speak the truth. So hear the words that Jesus has given me to speak. For he did not come to condemn us for our lying tongues, but rather to rescue us from our lying tongues. He came to forgive you. Listen to his words in my mouth and his words on my tongue. God doesn't give you what you deserve. He gave it to Jesus. Jesus used all your evil and turned it for your good, for salvation, for you. He took all your sin, the thoughts of the heart, the words of the tongue, and the deeds of the body into himself, and he died with them on the cross. And so you are forgiven totally and completely. You're covered with Jesus' blood from his cross. So now Jesus defends you and your reputation against the devil. He speaks for you. Yes, they're sinners, as you say, but all their sin now belongs to me. I took it all in my body on the tree, which means you no longer have any rights in this courtroom. Your accusations against them don't work anymore, so get lost. Jesus speaks well of you. He explains everything about you before his Father in heaven in the kindest way, and it goes like this. I died for them. My body, the temple, was destroyed in death, but in three days I rebuilt it. I did something completely new. I rose from the dead, just like I promised for all these sinners and for their salvation. They're my brothers and sisters. I have created a meal for them to celebrate my victory for them. A meal where I testify that the charges against them are no more. So now I put into their mouths my most holy body and blood for the cleansing, the sanctification of their mouths, tongues, and hearts. Before the Father, your reputation is spotless. All for the sake of and on account of Jesus. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.